comment that Sheila made last Sunday as she preached in this service, uh, saying that she had so much to say, and she told her father about this, and his counsel was preach the gospel. I identify with that. I have so much to say. But this is Trinity Sunday, a very holy day in the life of the church, as we celebrate and remember the fact that God has been revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, I've only been here two years, but I've already gotten to the point that I cannot remember what I have and have not said to you. And that means, of course, that what I have said to you is not all that memorable. Either that or there's some slippage in my recall, which is very, very possible. I don't know whether I've shared this with you, but if I have, my apologies. It is a thing that my father used to say to me as I would be getting ready to leave to go out and do what teenagers did in those days on a Friday or Saturday night. My parents really did not have very many rules governing our behavior, no do's, no don'ts. My daddy would simply say, as I got ready to leave, remember who you are and don't go crazy. <laughs> remember who you are and don't go crazy. Well, Sheila and I have been here for two years, but we've already figured out that Dauphin Way is not the kind of church that's likely to go crazy. In fact, we have never seen a stronger, more resilient congregation. Given all that you have been through, it is amazing, not only how you've stayed together, but how you have flourished. And we applaud you for that, and we are grateful for that. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some slightly crazy people here. We're not going to name names, but you know who you are. <laughs> you are the mildly wacky ones. And I know what you're thinking. It takes one to know one, and you're right. We never claim to have all of our marbles. In fact, you have to be a little bit crazy to get into this preaching business, so we admit it. There is some low-level residual craziness among us. But you are not the kind of people who are going to go hog-wild out of your mind. You've proven it again and again and again. And we are confident about you, as confident as anything could be. Yet on this Trinity Sunday, we would want to remind you of who you are and urge you not to forget who you are. Remember that you are God's people created in the image of the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember that that divine image in which you are created, every one of you, that that image is obscured by sin, but it is not obliterated by sin. We are Methodists. We are not Calvinists. The image of God is not gone, it's not destroyed, it's there, it's possible, yet it is obscured by our sins. We are stunted by our sins, and we are all sinners, and we do well to remember that. In one way or the other, we all fail to thrive as we should, yet we must remember 
that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Don't forget that. Remember, no matter what you feel, no matter what you think, no matter what you do, remember that Christ died for you, and that proves God's love for you. All of that means that the divine image is being restored in you. You can become, you are becoming the very ones God made you to be. Don't forget that. Sanctification is at the very heart of what it means to be a Methodist, and I would argue at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Grace is given. Remember that. Remember that you are in a relationship that will last for an eternity. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It is the glory of God, the precious image of God being restored to its fullness in your life. Remember, this is who you are. On this Sunday, as we celebrate the Trinitarian life of God and of God's people, we remember what that means for us. It means in the first place that we live in a relationship that is finally a deep mystery. This conviction we have, this foundational belief we confess, we confessed it just now in the creed, I believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We confess it in our lives. This is a deep and impenetrable mystery. To say that God is one God in three persons is irrational. It doesn't make sense rhetorically or any other way. Yet from the early days, the church has embraced this, the text we read today. Paul saying, there is no condemnation in Christ. There, there is no fear. We are forgiven. We are made right with God through Jesus Christ. And this certainty is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Jesus saying to his disciples, I have much to say to you. You're not able to hear it now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you everything. He will declare what I have said to you. And all of this is from the Father. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are affirmed as the divine persons, yet no explanation is given. Now, we need to be clear about one thing. Analogies don't work. We've all heard them. Trinity is like water. Can be liquid, solid, or gas. No, those are states, not persons. The other one is, Trinity is like us. I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm a friend. No, those are roles, not persons. God is three persons, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that is a paradox. It is a mystery, and the church simply accepts this and lives into it as a mystery. And we would urge you to remember this about yourselves, to remember 
that there is a mystery at the very heart of who you are. There's so much you can't understand, so much you cannot control. And in all honesty, you are most likely to go crazy if you think you can or must understand and control. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is trusting in the presence of that which we cannot understand and cannot control. Remember that there is a mystery in your life and accept it as such. At the same time, to say that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to say that God is personal. Indeed, God is personhood. God is not some distant, detached force. God is personal, not in the sense of being the property of any one of us individually, but God is personal in the sense of being relational. God is God in relationship. The personal, relational nature of God makes us who we are, for we are created in God's image. To say that God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is to acknowledge that there are differences within the Godhead. The distinctiveness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the ground of being for all of the amazing diversity of creation. These differences extend not only to what we can see and hear, but even to those worlds we cannot see. This is revealed most clearly in the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus refers to God as our Father who art in heaven. Yet Jesus is in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is on earth, subject to all the vicissitudes of this life. And nowhere is this strain more obvious than in the death of Jesus on the cross. Here Jesus suffers and dies. Yet the Father remains distinct from that experience. Still, they are one God. This is to say that all the differences between us, all the things that separate us, all the differences between us humans, between us humans and everything else in creation, all the differences between us and those who've gone before us, all of those differences with all of their stresses with all of their strains, with all of their joys and their sorrows, their pains and pleasures, all of it is of God. And it is all very good. To say that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is to say that God in relationship makes us inherently relational. As one's made in God's image, we participate in the relational nature, nature of God. Though the distinct three persons of God live as distinct persons, there is a unity there, a oneness there, that is pure love. Indeed, the life of the Trinity is the fountainhead, the source of all love. We love because God first loved us. For all of our differences, we are bound by that which we have in common. And if we will allow this to happen, God loves us into loving. God forgives us into forgiveness. We move from fearing our differences to embracing them as the expression of who God is and who we are. 
remembering that we are made in the image of the Trinitarian God means that we cannot live solitary lives. We need one another. Not only do we need one another, we need the whole of creation. We cannot live in judgmental lives, for we are all alike in our essential nature and all alike in our need for forgiveness. We are related to one another, and those relationships are God's great gift that make us who we are. This will be my last sermon as a full-time pastor, I, I suppose. I'm retired, and unless I come out of retirement at some point in the future, this is it. And I think about back over 45 years of ministry and about 35 of those years as full-time pastor. And I cannot remember most of my sermons. In fact, I can remember very few of my sermons. And I absolutely don't remember any committee meetings except those that were contentious. <laughs> remember a few of those. But what I do remember are relationships. I cannot forget them. That's the most painful part of being a Methodist preacher, is to leave those you love. Relationships make us who we are. It is the image of God in us that make us that way. And we are related to one another. We are related to the, all of the rest of creation. Being made in God's image, we are stewards of everything. We are called to live in defense of this creation. Being made in the image of God means that we are not free to exploit and to neglect nature. The whole created order looks to us, depends upon us. We need to remember that about ourselves. We are stewards of the environment. If I had stayed here more t years, you would have heard more about that. We need to think and feel and act and vote accordingly. To remember that we are made in the image of the one who is three persons, one God, is to be reminded that we are made for relationships with one another, with the whole of creation, and finally and most fundamentally, we are made for a relationship with God. My dear late wife, Nell, used to say that relationships are messy, that relationships require time and attention and vulnerability. She was right. Sometimes we pull away from God because of the messiness of that relationship. And let's be clear, our relationship with God is messy. The cross is messy business, but it's a necessary business. The messiness means that we are free. It's part of the freedom that must always exist if love is to be authentic. But God is not driven away by our messiness. Indeed, God is driven to it, and neither should we be driven away. And if we would really remember who we are, we would spend considerable time and attention on our relationship with God. Here I want to pause for just a moment. Now this is something that I want to say that perhaps is not exactly in the text. This is the one thing I must say. Dauphinway worships with an excellence that is unmatched in most churches. 
What happens in these services on Sunday morning is as good as it gets in our part of the world. In the early service, in the contemporary service, in this service. I'm moving from Dauphin Way to Midway. They're not going to be able to do this at Midway. I know that. I'm not even sure they have a piano player there. I don't know. This is such an amazing opportunity. And one of the things that just puzzles me is why the attendance is so sporadic. I don't get that. Even if the preaching's not any good, you ought to at least come for the music. This is the best music anywhere. It's just magnificent. I fear that some of you take it for granted and you, you go and do other things and don't show up too regularly. Let me challenge you to consider what it would be like if you didn't have this and didn't have the contemporary and didn't have the early service. There's great worship in all of those services. I urge you to spend the time in worship that it deserves and that you need. Now, spend time with God. There is no substitute for this. We cannot know those with whom we spend no time. What is true of our relationship with others is absolutely true of God. And then finally, there is vulnerability. Again, we turn away because we don't want to feel vulnerable. But here we must remember that when it comes to vulnerability, God has made the first move. God comes to us in Christ, who takes the form of a servant and who becomes obedient even unto death, even death on a cross. God takes upon God's self the ultimate vulnerability. And in doing that, God invites us into a safe place where we can really be who we are without fear of condemnation. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. One of the reasons the church insists on the Trinitarian nature of God is the fact that those first Christians experienced God in Christ crucified. The cross is finally the place where we can all come clean. Come clean with God, come clean with one another, come clean with ourselves. This is our relationship, born of a Father's love, made visible and accessible in Jesus Christ, confirmed in the deep abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember this. Remember who you are. Having said that, let me assure you that we will remember who you are. We will remember you with joy and with gratitude, for you are such a lovely, kind, and generous people. We will remember you for all you've done for us.
we will remember you for all you are doing for others, for one another, and even for people in distant places. We will remember you in our thoughts, in our prayers, and in our affections. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We join now in our final hymn, number 147. All things bright and beautiful.